It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's up, people? This is DJ. Hey, mi gente, this is Ish. And, and this, this is season, season two, two of But Let, Let Me Tell You. They're very saucy today. Saucy? Yes. Isn't saucy a great thing? Well, it depends. Who doesn't like sauce, said no one ever. No, because maybe sometimes you're trying, you know, you're eating something, you're like, oh, there's too much sauce on this. You know? That's true. And over sauce, like right. chicken wing. Well, no. Depends. Like if it's like like teriyaki could be a little too salty if it's too mm-hmm. salty. Too saucy. I heard so yeah. I heard yeah. Saucy. Um no, that's bossy. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said. I'm, I'm, you you say the episode number since I screwed it up last week. I believe we're on episode 82. 82. 82, I think. 1982 was a great year. It was a good year. I don't know what happened that year right now. You don't know? My, you off the top of my head, no. Everybody was released. You know, for a second, I was like, from what? Everybody, <laughs> come on, dance and sing. And now she's doing the cha-cha with, you know, being a spy and an eye patch And a prostitute. Well, she's also a cha-cha instructor, and she does so many things, Madam X. I know, right? <sighs> Do you care to go to her new tour? We're talking about Madonna here. Uh, yeah, for, so welcome, listeners. For those of you who don't know, we're talking about Madonna. You know, if I go, that'd be great, but if I don't go... Uh-huh. I'm going to, like, a few days before, like a couple of weeks before, I'm going to see if there's one ticket available, and if there's one, I'm just going to go. If maybe, not, or maybe we have some listeners who want to give us a ticket. Yeah, if not, Whatever. But you know she she's a legend and an icon. Absolutely, we've seen her live a bunch of times. But yeah. it's just there's, with her and like lacking in this I, album. I feel that no 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 not even For the me. album material with a lot of these like legendary artists now the ticket prices are just insane. <laughs> They're just insane. I don't think I should pay four hundred dollars to go see someone in a decent seat. You know we're yeah. not talking about front row here. Like just a decent seat. That's like crazy. 
Yeah, especially when she's doing a non-residency residency. Right. Don't call it a residency. Right, right. So <laughs> welcome to episode 82, everyone. How, how's everybody doing? Oh, Pero right. Friday. It's Friday. Everybody's doing good. Y para, para ustedes que están manejando in the Palmetto, be careful. Oh, the fast older. lanes, they started charging them oh, this week. Oh, that's right. That's right. I didn't even know that they were putting those on. Oh, my. The fast lanes? Okay, I haven't taken the Palmetto in forever. No, I haven't taken the Palmetto in three hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know they, that they put the, the so the they, yeah they did and in the Palmetto going northbound mm-hmm. the entrance to the fast lanes start I I kid you not they start next to the big curve it, oh it, great it, place to put it right so like most people get on the Palmetto to go north no I'm sorry to go south right either on Okeechobee or on 103rd Avenue right which they're not there. No entrance there. There's no entrance there. So, uh, for example, me, for example, me, I can't go on the fast lanes, even if I wanted to. And mind you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Palmetto for a while. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I'm on the Palmetto for a minute, but whatever. Whatever. Those of you who drive in Miami and drive on the Palmetto know will yeah. understand. For those of you who don't, are like, yeah, guy, then move Callate. on to the it's next like, thing. Listen, I live in Los Angeles. It's worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, Beto Friday, everybody. Yes. Well, no matter where you're at, we hope you're having yeah. a pleasant drive. Yes. And at the very least, you know, you'll be enjoying a nice coffee. Or if you're on your way home, you're on your way to a happy hour. And now that you said Los Angeles, we may be having some Beto, let me tell you, goes west. Yes. Pero we'll keep that on yes, in the yes. back we'll, for a we'll, bit. we'll talk about that in coming episodes. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Pero, le, pero, but keep an eye, pero, west. pero keep an eye out for us if you're out in La La Land. In the West Coast. Yes. We love the West Coast. So, que me tiene que decir. Another week, another Trump tragedy, another Trump Another problem, Trump situation? Another Trump situation. I, How appropriate is it, though, that, like, this all goes down this week when we have uh, a guest from CNN. I think. Well, <laughs> well, I think the fact that you know he is, uh, you know, uh, this week's um, guest Interview, is yes. uh, Boris, uh, Boris Sanchez, Sanchez and he is a CNN White House correspondent. And um, you guys are in treat for a great interview. Yeah, super, super and, cool guy. Um, you know, to answer your question, it's it's yeah, it's ironic that. There, we're going to talk about Trump, and he's a White House correspondent. But when don't we talk about no, 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 no. Pero yo digo, pero no, no, pero yo digo to this magnitude because you know, like, there's little things here and there, but it's like this week, like, yeah. damn. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Impeachment doesn't mean what it used to mean anymore. But well, technically, Clinton was impeached. He, he was, but the so thing, it so, I mean, I'm so most people think let's in, talk a little bit about the issue, right? Right, right. Because most people so, think impeachment. Okay, yeah. Fa, fa, so fa, this fuera. round of this I, week's topic, we should have like a little musical intro. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> this this round of Trump impeached or not impeached? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Trump tidbits. <laughs> so it has to do with the whistleblower. So allegedly, yeah. okay. this whistleblower. Yeah, I was gonna say because I know something's going on, but I've been so detached. Okay, so there's a whistleblower who blew the whistle. Oh well, thank you, and that concludes our episode for today. Here's our interview. <laughs> who um, reported that he not only saw but heard, read, heard from other people. Mm-hmm. You know, totality of circumstances that. It's complicated, but I'm gonna try to put it as yeah, please, terms. yeah, yeah. We only have that. So Trump much. was talking to the um, president of the Ukraine, okay, and pretty much uh, telling him that he wanted him to get the president of the Ukraine mm-hmm. to get dirt on Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son, okay, 
and he may or may not give him, I think it was three to $400 million in aid that the United States gives to Ukraine. So from the report of the whistleblower- Does the Ukraine already get yes, uh, aid yes, from us? Yes. So it would be in addition to- no, no, no. This is the aid that they get from us. Oh, so if he doesn't do this, you won't get the aid. Right. Is essentially the, the yes. crux of it. Yes. Okay, got yes. it. Got it. So he was like, you give me dirt on the Bidens, and I'll give you your aid. And if you don't, there's no... There's, there's no... I guess there's no aid, okay. but... Okay, okay. You know. So as anything Trump-related, it's very complex. Nothing... Nothing, nothing is ever simple. Um, Because the whistleblower... Um, Have they identified? The no, 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 no. Um, he reported it to the, the. In terms of the protocol, it was, it was proper. Okay, he reported it to his boss, who reported it to their boss, who reported it eventually to the national security advisor. Okay, got it. Right. Um. So then, of course, that's when things get. You know, a little messy, right? Because once it reaches, uh, it's like this, it's like a game of telephone, right? Once it reaches the, um, you know, national security advisor, and you know, and the, you know, intelligence committees and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now the White House is aware of it, so now it's like chickens running with their heads cut off. It's like, right. okay, what can we do to like minimize, mitigate the damage? Right, right. 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 What right. do we, you know? So that's kind of where we are right now. Okay. There was a report that was released, I believe, today or yesterday, but oh, fake Friday, uh, <laughs> which there's a transcript of, um, I believe, the phone call or mm-hmm. or what the conversation. Trump, the conversation. So now, you know, Democrats are um, screaming bloody murder. This, you know, we're going to investigate to see if there's, you know, mm-hmm. cause. Um, cause for impeachment. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Republicans are like, oh, this is not another, this is another, this is another you know, thing Democrats want to do. Um, although there are a lot of Republicans who have really spoken out against this. Okay. If right, if this is true, this yeah. is wrong. There, there are uh, yes, there are a lot that have, which in other times they haven't. And interestingly enough, uh, Donald Trump has uh, made between five to eight million dollars in fundraising this week. <laughs> Interesting. So, so, so me... again, another so an, another special inquiry, another today on TV. Uh, but let me ask you something because they're they're they are throwing around the word, and I know that they're they're attaching it to the word inquiry, but they are saying you know it's an impeachment inquiry. <laughs> what makes that different than the other investigations that have been done, and and more so to the point? I mean, I'm God, I'm asking you like if you're like this you know authority on the subject. Why now? Because you and I have said several times on this show that. The worst thing the Democrats could do is pursue impeachment, particularly at this point in time, so close to the election. In the sense, in the sense that, in the sense that, you know, as we've seen before, there's no rhyme or reason to the the fervor that that Trump is able to whip up amongst his supporters, and this is the type of thing that he historically has used to. You know, catalyze. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, to you know, to to kind of get his base going riled and riled up, and and it could, in fact, have a very different intention in that it could make them, you know, more likely to go to the polls. And mm-hmm. do you understand? Know, right. Okay. So why now? Well, right. first off, this whole thing with the whistleblower, this just came to light. No, 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 no. That, but but why are they using the the words? Why, well, do, why do you think they're using the words impeachment inquiry as opposed to before? Because with the Russia thing, they were they were saying it's 
It's an investigation. They weren't. They right, weren't attaching they weren't the, the ones doing the investigation. Robert Mueller was. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So with the Robert Mueller report, mm-hmm. it, it was a special counsel that was investigating. You know the whole thing with the so Russians anytime the Congress has has does does well, well, this type of investigation, it's offic- officially on the books. It's an impeachment inquiry. N- yes and no, because okay. the Robert Mueller investigation was independent of any causes for impeachment. The Ro- Robert Mueller oh, investigation okay, okay, happened because okay. R- Russia hacked into our election. <laughs> No, correct. Right? I'm just so, I'm just wondering. So separate from impeachment, that was something that had to be um, investigated so one way or another. They weren't investigating the president per se. They were investigating they the process. Were, they weren't investigating the president per se. They, they weren't investigating the president with the purpose of seeing if they were going to impeach him or not. They were investigating. The 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 that. office, the, not the well. They person. were they were investigating the election to see if Russia, you know. Intermingled, interfered, interfered okay. with our election, and what to do and in the what, future, and, right? Okay, and, you know all these conversations. That so the investigation, the power, and all that. The investigation really was around the election, not right. It was around the election. Okay, now what it. happened okay. was that when the investigation, the Robert Mueller investigation, came out, mm-hmm. that's when some Democrats were like, "Oh, now we should have a special committee to see if we could impeach this guy." Because Got it. Robert Mueller, you know. It can't this, charge this. him, but you know, pretty but much could. said that you know there was obstruction of justice. You know, got blah it. blah 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 blah. Got it, got it. Whereas in this case, which this came out recently, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The committee today and and the, all the whole round of questionings and the investigation was to see if they have enough facts to start an impeachment process against him, like a formal okay. impeachment process. So ultimately, him. the use of the word impeachment is dependent upon who is initiating the investigation. Well, the purpose of the investigation. Okay, okay. Got the it. purpose of the current investigation now mm-hmm. is to see if he could be impeached. Got it. And when I mean impeached, I don't mean removed from office. I mean start the process, which is called impeachment. Right, 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 right. right a lot right. of people get confused in that, you know, because Bill Clinton was impeached, yeah. and he obviously was not removed from office. Right. But impeachment really means the proceedings to right. remove a president from office. Right. So yeah, imagine think, it's like another word for trial. I think people conflate the two because the two examples and then they look back on Richard Nixon but Richard Nixon resigned, resigned. he yeah. was not so they were they, did they even start impeachment procedures with they Nixon they were going to they were going they to when he resigned so he people resigned. people kind of put those two things right, together right. and get it all confused right. but I mean I'll say it again and I, I, this is just my opinion on it I mean look it, it's it's a complex issue right because if the, something if has the, to be investigated if the president of the United States really did this was Speaking to a foreign country, and not even an adversary, because Ukraine is not an adversary of the U.S., but was speaking to another country to dig up dirt on a political rival, there's something really wrong with that. Yeah, That, that is just wrong to the core, not only in terms of our values as a country, ethically. but just ethically and just the the oath of the president. Right, oath of human beings. I'm sorry, it goes wrong to the core. Right. Unfortunately, in the time that we live in, and with the divisive politics that we Mm -hmm. is our current reality, you know, I am of the opinion that a lot of you know, I'm I'm very Megan McCain on this opinion. Oh, Megan McCain is a Republican and conservative, and I'm the opposite of that. But I watch her every day on the View, and I agree 100 percent with what Megan McCain has said with this inquiry and with the other ones. If you're going to start impeachment, you make sure that you have a home run, that you have a smoking gun, that you can get him impeached. Because if not, 
you're going to look like the ass. Even if you had the best intentions, even if he probably did do it, you're going to look like an ass. And and, 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 and that is especially true today. With this situation. Yeah. I think ultimately, I mean, I I definitely think things like this should be investigated. Because if they are being, if it is happening, it is being done, we should know about it and there should be consequences. But to your point, I think the problem here is that people are so foaming at the mouth on both sides, Mm. on both sides, that when they see that word impeachment... The left gets all like, you know, finally, we get him out. And then the right goes all like, see these stupid people. And it's just like people are just itching for this fight for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just that people need to get laid more often. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, it's just the, the world the world we live in now. But it's just it's funny because. And again, I say people because I think ultimately it's a vocal minority. At the end of the day, I think the average person doesn't um, even know the full details and may have an opinion but doesn't get that fervent. Right, but that's the worst those are no, the no, worst no, type. But, but what I'm saying, but no no, but the average person probably doesn't they kind of listen to it, they know what's going on, but they don't necessarily have an opinion opinion. Right. It's, but, you got these two Right, but again, that's the worst type. Because if you know about politics and you understand politics mm-hmm. and, and you know what's going on and you have an opinion on it one way or another, while I may disagree with you, your opinion is based on what you believe and something that mm-hmm. you've read, you know, we just may see it differently, mm-hmm. right? Right. But unfortunately in this day and age, you know, a lot of people make up their mind based on sound bites or on clickbait yeah. or on Facebook. No, but I'm not even because, talking about those example, people though. This week somebody very close to me who I'm not gonna name, <laughs> I heard this person It was me. I heard fine. this person the other other day, they, they were putting this on the news, and this person said, like, sí, claro, porque todo lo que hace está mal hecho, y to, todo lo que hace es el demonio. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, if he... If he did <laughs> if these he, things. If he did these things... Of which like, he's accused. Like, wouldn't that worry you, or wouldn't that make you concerned that the president of the United States is doing that? That's that's what you see other countries do when we criticize. And we criticize it. So are, you're okay with this? You know, I didn't get into the conversation with this person because, because okay. I, knew, I knew this person was okay. going to be like, whatever. Yeah. But I'm like, you know, but that is a mindset. Right. So I just, I don't know. I'm of the opinion of, you know, he has a year and a half left or a year and some months left. We're just going to have to deal with it and, you know, get you know get out to the polls, vote, um, protest, whatever it is. If Make you're your not voice happy, heard if, if you're, you're not happy. happy with him. If you're not happy with him, and a lot of people are not, a lot of people are not, a lot of people are not. But especially the ones that are not happy with him and are bitching mm-hmm. about it, then you need to get out and vote. And I will say that across the board. I always say no vote, no voice. If you don't vote, I don't want to hear your opinion on things one way or the other. Yeah, but you know what though? I, just I gotta got I gotta give it to his base. His base is strong. No, but that's what I'm saying. But they vote. You know what? You voted. You made your voice heard. Fine. I think you're saying is stupid. But you know what? You you, you did your civic duty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If so, nothing else in this world, whatever. We'll we'll see what happens with this. I'm I'm like whatever about. It. I'm like oh. yeah, just you write know. it out. Maybe next week when mm-hmm. we're recording our next episode, something something blew else. Up. You know something, be something else. You know something. There was a smoking gun in this issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But up to now, it's like. Whatever. Yeah. Como say Madonna song to bring it back to Madonna. I've heard it all before. I've yes. heard it all I before. I don't want to hear. I don't want to know. I don't want Please don't know. say forgive me. Please. That's a great song. That is a great album. That is like her last phenomenal album. album. Yeah. As, 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 a, as a totality. Yeah. Completely. Because that song, Sorry, that is one awesome that, that song. tour is so good. Yeah, that is Confessions that, on the Dance Floor. Oh, my God. That was the tour, remember, that I was I, on the second row from the end of the catwalk? Yes, you and Juana were sweating. Yeah. And, and, and 
and you were up in like the. the I was like in the nosebleeds. Yeah, and I remember yeah. I, you know, we saw yeah, each other. Yeah. Like I called you. I'm like, look where I'm at, bitch. And I remember that that was a couple of days before I took the bar. And I was like, the bar, Madonna. But I'm like, I'm in the second row. You'll figure <laughs> it out. That's actually the last. Time. I think that was one of the last times, if not the last time, that I saw my friend Yanko actually before oh. before he passed away. Well, he killed himself, but okay. Do we really have to like go down that route? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's good to have nice memories attached to it because of that. Because you know, it was just we 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 were enjoying that concert. Do yeah. we really have to go down that route? Well, it's what happened. Listen, we share our lives on here. Okay. Anyway, so let's mix it up a little bit. This is not. I, I wanted to bring this up. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've heard of this. I had not heard of this. Okay. Although this this hit the news in like May June. Coño. Um, <laughs> We're timely here on Pedro, let me tell you. No, no, no. You know why? Because <laughs> I'd like to think that, you know, I'm very, like, up to date in terms of okay, news and okay, things that happen. So whenever I find something that I... That totally passed off by. my radar, I'm like, Coño, how did I miss that? I mean, what but is maybe it? you've came across this. It's on your radar. On my radar. Um, for not one, but two albums. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Man, whoever catches these like little backhanded like these comments, comments that is, you and I give, like we need to meet. That's um, what did you hear about? <laughs> The Florida man that, and I feel so weird bringing this up in the same episode that we're talking to CNN's White House correspondent. But I thought that this was great news. Uh, did you hear about the Florida man who was arrested for his eat ass sticker? I eat ass. This sounds familiar. Okay. So this happened in. This in, sounds familiar. I think I heard this on another podcast on last this, podcast of the left. This happened in in like this was a while ago. In well, yes, a while ago, May. You know, we're in October almost. So there's this man in this uh, little town called, I believe, uh, Lake City, which is huh, up by uh, by North, a lake, North Florida, <laughs> which we know about North Florida. What is true about Florida? Oh, the Lord. more north you go, the, the more, more south, south it gets. gets. So there's this guy who had on his truck a huge sticker on the window in the back that said, I eat ass. Good for him. Balanced diet. And he got pulled over by a cop. And this is all on dash cam. Okay. Okay. So he he said, he said, right. Um, He got pulled over by a cop. And the cop is like, you know, what if a child sees this? What if I have four kids? What about if my four kids see this? And he was like, sir, with all due respect, that's not my my problem. That's not my job (laughs) to explain that. And the guy who had the sticker actually was very... He was actually very calm. Right, right, right. He's like, you He's know, these are these are my like First Amendment rights. Right, yeah. And um, the guy eventually, the guy arrested him. The cop, the cop arrested, arrested the ass eater. He ar- <laughs> he arrested him. And what I thought was really um, interesting is that he arrested him because he said it was derogatory. Now here's towards where- people who don't eat ass. <laughs> that the sticker was derogatory. Now here's where like my. But law school, like I went to law school. But let me. I didn't go to law school, and doesn't derogatory mean that it is demeaning to a person? No, derogatory. So we have free speech, right? Right. What is not uh, considered or protected Mm -hmm. under the First Amendment is obscene, obscenity, right? But obscenity is something that the Supreme Court for many, many years has struggled in terms of how to define obscenity. Didn't, at one point but, it was like, well, I know you know it when you see it exactly, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know obscenity when you see right. it. But that varies hence, by person. And, you know, look at pornography. Pornography, we, correct. We have very, very, you know, 
pornography that's very pushing everything. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Uh, that is constitutionally We'd be lucky protected. if it was only eating ass. That's constitutionally protected, mm-hmm. right? So what I thought was interesting was that the cop used the word derogatory. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm sorry, officer. <laughs> that's, derogatory is not, <laughs> that's not even a constitutional yeah, term. Yeah, yeah. But this goes to show like the mindset of this. This is a small town, and because that particular cop thought it was offensive to him and you know and right. and he didn't like it uh he arrested the man and so and he didn't give him a ticket he arrested he arrested him. him and it's funny because when he he again there's dash cam so he calls in the department and he's not 100 percent because okay because he tells the guy <laughs> he tells wonderful. the guy peel off a letter of i oh, eat the ass, sticker okay right like the like, a or whatever i eat at uh, whatever. I eat SS, right. And he's like, no. He's like, Good. I'm not going to peel it off. Being actual. <laughs> I paid to have that on. And you know what was so ironic? That the same area, the, the place that he coincidentally stopped him at was the same place he had the sticker made. made? Yeah. Coño. <laughs> well, it's a really small town. That's true. That's true. So, Little town. So the guy, the cop, calls the department mm-hmm. on, you know, you can see it in the dash cam video, and he's kind of not sure what to charge him with. And, and you know, should I charge him with this or should I charge him with that? And the guy on the other end of the, uh, this patch. Of the, mm-hmm. the dispatch was like, just tow his shit. <laughs> Just get just, his shit and t- you know, and have just it tow the car. And they actually arrested him with uh, refusing arrest nonviolently, and, and yeah, they arrested him. Now, wait a minute. So they charged him for resisting arrest when what they were arresting him for was a non-arrestable offense. It was a misdemeanor. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is, they basically they charged him. With not wanting to be arrested because they couldn't charge because they couldn't arrest him with the actual thing that right because do, he was do you know what I'm saying yeah, like yes. he he technically he was not being charged with anything that was an arrestable offense so they had to well he he was he was charged with a misdemeanor of Florida like a, a Florida has like an obscenity um law like one of these like like you can't have the word fuck ob- on the ob- side of your obscenity laws right okay um but that's a misdemeanor. But then okay. he also charged him with resisting arrest because he wouldn't remove the sticker. But anyway, but anyway, that's not anyway, arrest. Anyway, so the he gets arrested. He gets a lawyer. Obviously, any lawyer who yeah, gets yeah. this, it's like it's like a present on a silver platter because this like violates every <laughs> from the every first one down of the First Amendment <laughs> there is. So they eventually drop charges against him, okay. right? And now the last thing I heard in terms of what I read, they are still trying. They're going to try to sue the police department, you know, for a violation of, of, of rights. rights. Yeah. So what do you? Let's get get down to the nitty gritty of this in terms of our. I don't know case. how much more nitty. Which, you get the no, 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 no. Because something that we, you know, we always we've mentioned here before, but this article is like full blown conversation of it is that, you know, people go on and on and on about the First Amendment. Oh, I, it's my First Amendment constitutional right to say this, and you know, we talked yes. about it here yeah, before. Right. As I say time and time again, the First Amendment only protects your freedom in terms of the government. Right. It doesn't protect you being fired. It doesn't protect you, you <laughs> know, people calling you an asshole. asshole. Right, it yeah. doesn't protect you, none right, of that. Right. Because I love when people are like, oh, so-and-so said something at work and he was fired. You violated his First Amendment rights. Oh, no, no, you didn't. Unless you work for the government? No, you didn't. Pumpkin. Yeah, you, you, exactly. You could fire him for that. Exactly. Because a lot of people, don't under, I, I feel, don't understand it. 
But, you know, something that, you know, I've always tried in speaking First Amendment issues, tried to explain is that First Amendment includes the good and the bad. So well, it has have, to. If we're going to have First Amendment and we're really going to have freedom of speech, then that's going to include speech that makes you uncomfortable and that you don't like and you don't agree with. Yeah. So w w what do you think of that? Because, like, this is a perfect example. This officer violated this, the First Amendment not only to a degree. Violate, not only no to to a complete I mean, degree to, oh, yeah. to you know yeah, yeah, yeah. a full degree. He violated his First Amendment rights. But again, he he really arrested him for subjective for reasons. something he didn't like for something he didn't for something like. he didn't like. Bottom line, bottom line, bottom line, bottom line, and that's bullshit. That's bullshit because you know what? Listen, it's on Miami no pasa. We all know. <laughs> <laughs> that spandex is a privilege and not a right, but we don't arrest those people. Okay. Um, no, bullshit. And the thing is, you know, okay, so where does it end? What if somebody finds it offensive that they have uh, something on their car that says, you know, Jesus saves, you know, or whatever? And they're like, Jesus well, I'm in the camper van. That song. Oh, today's such a musical episode. Um, but they believe in Muhammad. And they find it offensive that somebody says that only Jesus saves. Like, what it, does the cop get to say? That? I mean, do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, where does it end? And I think that's, I mean, honestly, that day, to be quite frank. Well, I mean, again, it's a small town. <laughs> and still. Uh, I mean, the way they see it is differently. Uh, cl well, clearly. Clearly. But, that, but that's why I'm saying it's subjective. Right. The law and the Constitution should not be subjective. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's subjective because I can assure you that if that man with his I eat ass you know sticker. You know I hate to be that guy. I hate to be that guy. I hate to be like fucking Todrick Hall right now. I wonder if there wasn't a touch of homophobia in there. Um, I don't think so. I didn't get that vibe from it. I, I, I got Just it. Just saying. I I well, you got to see the interview because <laughs> the, the guy who was like. You have to read the interview. I don't, okay. don't want to okay. get into okay. it okay. In, in, in that. No, no, no. I think this is just a small, small, small town, small town mentality. mentality. He did because again, that was the first thing he said. What about if my six-year-old daughter asks me, "I eat ass," and he was like, "Well, that's, that's your conversation my, that's, to have with her." Yeah, sorry about that. That sucks for you. Yeah. So little town. I just uh, these, these are the type of things that when I see them. I, you when you live in a big metropolitan area, yeah. you kind of forget sometimes that what's funny these type of things happen. Well, really? I don't forget. I no, know no, about but it, we, but, but, but we don't we don't think about it. And it's funny because we actually bring that up with uh, with our in our, interview, our interview with Boris, where we start talking about that. You know, I mean, can you imagine if that officer hears a song "Culo" by Pitbull? He won't know what it's saying. <laughs> so that that that, I mean, I mean, that gets rid of that. Like he doesn't. Know I what imagine he's probably not a big fan of Pitbull. <laughs> I, uh, or, you know, Two Life Crew or uh, Ice-T or, you know, I'm thinking rap in general, not his forte. Because mm -hmm. I don't picture many Kenny Chesney songs ending with, and I eat ass. No shoes. No sh No shirts. <laughs> no problems. But ass-eating problem. Oh <laughs> That's the line. No amount of puka shells can save that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I saw that and I was like, oh, dear God. Well, you know, you know what, though? Let's to keep on the uh, on the ass theme for just a minute. They just announced who's going to be a uh, halftime at the Super Bowl here in our backyard in Miami. Ya llegó. Presente. I hope she, she has to open with that. So it's going to be Ms. Ms. Lopez and Miss. I don't know her last name. So Shakira. 
Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> oh, baby, when you talk like that. That's, I mean, I love it, but um, I, I've, I've never remember them announcing a co-headlining halftime show. Hello. Do you remember when it was like Britney Spears, Mary J. Blige, and oh, shit, that's Aerosmith? True. That's true. You know? That's true. Never mind. Remember I'm... when it was Janet Jackson and, and and Justin Timberlake? Yeah, but I feel like that was a Janet Jackson show, and then Justin. No, that was Puff Daddy, Janet Jackson, really? and Justin Timberlake. Yep. Shit, I don't. I just remember her boob. because all those all those were hosted by um MTV. produced by MTV. That's right. And they had like mashups. You know, I mean, I like Shakira, I like J Lo, and I think both of them can put on a hell of a of a halftime show, especially Jennifer. I would have given it just to Jennifer. I think that she could carry it on her own. I think oh, she, ha- she has enough. Of- and plus, with J Lo, you know, you're already going to get Pitbull. Pitbull, because it's in Miami. It's in Miami. They have a song together. I mean, it's they have three songs together. There you go. It's a it's a no brainer. My favorite song over there is like nobody knows. What? Fresh out the oven. Oh, I know that song. The song is so good, <laughs> so good. That was Breaking from that was from love. love. That was from no? nothing. That was when it was one of those singles. When, it, when a lot of people forget that Jennifer Lopez had a moment there in her career that she wasn't doing too well um when she did that movie the backup plan that was like in 2000 oh yeah like 2008 2009 her career was not that's when she really she also released around the time like angel mama because that wasn't no, on an album no, either. No, that no. was Angel a single. Mama's much, much more really? recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when she released the album Brave and all that. We're talking about, again, 2000. I would say about 2007 to like 2011 when On the Floor came out. Yeah, because it was Brave. That, no, no, that was the greatest hits. No, on the, the song she with Pitbull. On the floor is part of her greatest. No, hits. The, the 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 big one with Pitbull. Dance the night away. No, that's from Love. That's from the album Love. The one that's on the greatest hits, I Wanna Dance. Oh, okay, okay. Well, she wants, she's dancing on both dance. of them. But anyway, the point okay. that, that okay. I'm trying to make is that there were a few years there that her career was not great. great. Yeah. And she released this single called Fresh Out the Oven uh-huh. under the name Lola. Beda. And in fact, the, the first... Or most of the verses are kind of auto-tuned. Mm-hmm. So you don't really know who I it is. If I tell you it's Jennifer Lopez, you'll know it's her. But if I don't tell you, you won't know it's Automatically, her Automatically, you won't know. Right. And I actually think that song is pretty badass. Because it, it's... It, but it, I don't know. It was like in a low point of her career. Right. And it just didn't get Maybe she'll open up with that. With? <laughs> Fresh out the oven. No, I just... I, I think she could have carried it on, on her own. Yeah. I, and again... I love I love Shakira. This is no hate towards Shakira. I freaking love Shakira. But Shakira also has been out of the public eye, out of the American eye for some time now. True. true. Although she's kept releasing music to the Spanish market, right. to the American market, she hasn't. So I wonder it, how that's gonna. It's a little bit like a little bit how that came up. Yeah. yeah. I, I I thought it would be J Lo Shuwin. Yeah, and then you know you get Pitbull with yeah. her, and so no, she'll probably bring other people too. But oh my god, it's gonna be like four hundred people. Maybe she'll invite us. Well, you know, that be doesn't. I would. I perform at Super Bowl. I don't know. I, I keep thinking of Katy Perry. In the, the Sharks. No, in the Star. Oh, the more you know, the more you know. <laughs> and then Missy Elliott. Oh, which it should have been Missy Elliott. No, and I no. I think I love Missy, but it needed to be attached to somebody who was more pop. pop and recognizable to the to the bigger audience at this at that time at that time. At I that don't know time, about that. Uh, but when you know who, you know who we should totally like. You know, 
maybe he'll be down here for this covering the Super Bowl. I mean, he's a White House correspondent, but I'm sure he gets some downtime. I don't know about in this administration. This is also true. This is also true. So, again, we mentioned it earlier. This week's guest is CNN's White House correspondent, uh, Boris Sanchez, because I almost said Boris Yeltsin. <laughs> Boris Sanchez. Um, honestly, it was it was a fantastic conversation encompassing journalism, politics, being from Hialeah. Um, I, I didn't. Honestly, I didn't know what to expect when we talked to him just because, I mean, I know he was being articulate because he's a journalist. But, you know, I, I, I think afterwards, like, honestly, I can't wait for him to be down here so we can go share, like, you know, a plate of Cuban nachos at Sandwich Well, Miami. but I think that most importantly, I mean, the job of a White House correspondent is always a very important job. But I feel that, you know, given his background, he, you know, as he said, you know, as he says, here yeah. in the interview – for him, it's extremely important. It's personal, but now more than ever, yeah. uh, that you know, journalism as a whole is being attacked not only by the government but by so many sources and so many different outlets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important to always remember that yeah. you know, now at the end of the day, a free press is the single most important thing in a democracy. And now more than ever, you you need you know journalists and you need a free press and you need you know people at the White House. You know calling up and and you know bringing to task the you know the administration whoever it may be whoever's in power i mean so it's a great conversation we hope you guys enjoy it i mean this is definitely definitely one of these conversations where you know again here on the show we we say listen laugh and learn we like for there to be a little bit of everything you know sometimes we want to make you guys laugh sometimes we want to make you think learn and this is definitely one of those interviews that um although boris was you know really articulate and lively it's important to know you know how important his job is so yep so without further ado here's a boy boris sanchez it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, well, welcome back, listeners. And as we mentioned, we have with us today CNN White House correspondent Boris Sanchez. Thank you so much for joining welcome us, Welcome to Boris. Let Me Tell welcome. You. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate the invitation. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it, considering some of the things that I've heard you guys say about Hialeah and El Alfilador <laughs> and the hurricane preparations. I was a little bit offended, I have to say. It's but, you love, know, I feel though. like... It's all with love. I feel like, you know, we have to, we have to support each other as <laughs> South Florida people and, you know, my Westchester, Kendall folks. I got to embrace that being a Hialeah person, you know, you have to stand for each other. This is, you know what? You're absolutely right. And I mean, DJ is an honorary Hialeah resident. 
You know, he's got his office there. So. The office, right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm from Kendall, but later in life, my life took a turn and I opened up my office in Hialeah. So, you know, it's my adopted home. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you still smell a little bit like salt water, as many of us do. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, you know what? I'm glad that you um, mentioned Hialeah because that's obviously a great place to start. How does a, you know, Cuban kid from Hialeah end up as CNN house, you know, White House, a White House correspondent. correspondent. How, how, tell us a little bit of your trajectory. Sure. So really, my story starts in Cuba in the 1930s. So I hope you have extra time on this podcast to go through the whole thing. Also, I want to I know basically, who, who you, the name of your moisturizer, because that's uh, phenomenal. <laughs> Just... um, look, basically, I, I credit uh, my success in journalism, my desire to pursue journalism to a number of people in my family. One of them, my grandfather, uh, who was born in Cuba in the 30s. And, you know, the the circumstances of his life were very difficult. His mother died giving birth to him. His father never wanted anything to do with him. He was gone by the time he was born. And he grew in very difficult circumstances in extreme poverty, watching his friends get beat up in the street for demonstrating against a dictator. At the time, it was Urgencio Batista, I'm sure you know. And so my grandfather, at one point in his adolescence, uh, took to the mountains, as many Cubans did at the time, to try to start a revolution and unseat a dictator. And he didn't, uh, he wasn't part of Fidel Castro's faction. He was in a different revolutionary group. But ultimately, when Fidel took power, my grandfather was involved in some of that, and my grandfather, always being a staunch anti-communist, ran into trouble when Fidel took power, and long story short, he was imprisoned for, he was sentenced to 20 years of prison and work camps, uh, basically for speaking his mind. And he considered himself lucky because many of his friends were put in front of firing squad. And, you know, uh, when he was released, my family applied for asylum from the United States, When I was born, uh, it it took a a while, but I landed in Miami the day that I turned three, and I always joked that freedom was the best birthday gift my parents could have given me. Um, (laughs) I get emotional talking about it because, you know, it's it's a big deal to me. And um, having that in the back of my mind, the idea that freedom of expression is something so critical to democracy, to the future of society, to our basic human rights, stuck in my mind as something important. My mom had wanted to be a journalist. She was very interested in writing when she was growing up. And, of course, in Cuba, they put her to work at a tin can factory. She never got the chance to do it. And then another thing that happened was that when I was about seven years old, uh, I used to watch WSVN, you know, Channel 7 News, because it came on between The Simpsons and In Living Color, my two favorite shows at the time. (laughs) And, of course, and watching Rick Sanchez on TV... I thought, man, this guy's really cool. And my dad lied to me and told me that we were related to Rick Sanchez. And I thought, my uncle has the best job in the world. And <laughs> so you thought Rick Sanchez much... was really your uncle? That's awesome. I thought he was my uncle. Well, aren't I thought all us Cubans uncle. kind then, of related? You know, somos primo. At the in end a of the way, day, right? In a way. Yeah. I can't speak for everything Rick has done since, but at the time when I was seven years old, I thought, man, this is like so cool. And, you know, I had other ambitions. I I wanted to play in the NBA. I wanted to be a spy. Obviously, none of those things were (laughs) real pursuits for me. And so 
in high school, I went to Miami Lakes Educational Center. I was part of the TV program there. When I graduated, I went to Miami-Dade College. I studied journalism there, and that opened all the doors for me. I wound up transferring to Syracuse University, one of the best journalism programs in the country. Yeah, it really is. I, I do a major in broadcast journalism and international relations. The international relations thing came because, you know, growing up, my dad would have these parties and he would hold court with his friends playing dominoes in the backyard and they would talk about history and foreign policy and politics and all these things that I was interested in. And I always wanted to impress my dad and be part of that conversation. So that innate curiosity ultimately led me there. Um, in, in journalism or in TV journalism, you don't really have like a formal resume. So to get a job, you have to put together a tape or like a YouTube link showing what you can do in front of a camera. So what I made at Syracuse was awful. I had like an earring. I had a skin fade. I was like, bro, you see what happened here was and da 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 da. And it was, it didn't get me a job. So I was really fortunate that, uh, I had this, this mentor who basically hired me because he was also from Hialeah and wound up at Syracuse at WTVJ channel six. I did an internship there. I put together a way better tape. And the first link that I sent out was the first place that responded. It was the first job I took basically doing everything at the station at a station called KRCR in Redding, California, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, California, the basically like the Redwoods, like even, even North of that. And uh, I did that for about a year and a half. I was a weekend banker there. Uh, I was very fortunate that there was an opportunity that opened up in Denver. uh, And I was there for three years as an anchor and a reporter. I did all kinds of crazy stories about uh, marijuana, coincidentally, became legal while I was there. And I I basically became the pot reporter for my station because all these growers, (laughs) they were young people. Yeah, they, they were young people. A lot of them. Uh, you know, it wasn't because you're from Miami, type. right? It wasn't because you're right, the Miami yeah, guy, right? right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It, it was basically because I could relate to younger people who were entrepreneurial, and a lot of the reporters at the station didn't totally communicate well with that crowd. I, you know, I did, and and it was really great for me. It helped me uh, do a lot of interesting stories, and that got the attention of somebody at CNN. I wound up going to uh, the New York Bureau for CNN for a year, the Miami Bureau for a year, and then I moved to D.C. a little over two years ago, and I've been covering the White House since then. Um, and I've done all sorts of crazy stories for CNN, natural disasters, Damn. Uh, the current administration, uh, you know, just anything you can imagine, I've done it. And, and it's been an incredible ride, and I, I credit all of it to my parents and great people that have helped me out. That's a that's an awesome story. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that you know along in your trajectory you used to sit down with like your family and talk politics and and stuff like that because I feel that a lot of times from the Cuban perspective because of you know the nature of the situation in Cuba and, and communism growing up you can't help but talk about uh politics and 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 real issues like that it's just it's kind of in our blood i i kind of always say jokingly um whenever you talk to cubans it always ends up in communism (laughs) no matter what you're talking about (laughs) so i mean i i think it gives you a different perspective a lot of times which clearly in your case it probably did no question i think it's it's sort of in our blood you can't help but talk to somebody in our community who has immediate family or a close close relative who 
you know, has a story similar to my grandfather or my grandmother who owned this store in Cuba. And when Castro took power, he took everything from her. It was just swept away. And you'll find over and over again stories of people who've had to persevere and who, because they've faced so many difficulties, because they've been confronted by a society that seeks to shut them up, they appreciate what we have in this country, which is freedom of speech and freedom of property and, and that sort of thing. You know, to somebody like me, I think of my grandfather every time I walk through the gate at the White House. I, I would not be here if it weren't for not only my family and, and amazing people that I've met along the way, but for this country, for this amazing experiment that we have and this, this delicate experiment that we need to protect. And that's kind of the mission. That, that's what motivates me to go to work every day, to speak truth to power and to not be afraid to confront dishonesty in our democracy. Can I, well, I, I, I know DJ's rearing up for a question, but can I just ask you just on a, like a personal note as a, you know, as a Cuban kid from, from Miami, right? Isn't it just yeah. awe-inspiring every time you walk into the White House to think, you know, wow, this is the White House. You know, all, all everything aside, just there's there's a power to that. And, and do you ever feel like, not that you made it, but I guess for lack of a better way of putting it, I honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm honored and humbled that I get the opportunity to do what I do. At the same time, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think like, oh, I made it and this is great. And, and this is the goal. The, the goal is beyond that. Now what I have is a responsibility to not only do the things I said before in, in terms of keeping those in power accountable, but also to represent our community, to bring light to issues that affect people like us and, and immigrants who, you know, are, are not trying to destroy the society, but for the vast majority of us, we're trying to contribute to it. We're trying to become part of it. We appreciate things that a lot of people who grew up in abundance and who grew up with a ton of freedoms don't because they don't know what it's like not to have those things. I appreciate the opportunity that CNN has given me to be in the room for these kind of conversations, to be able to ask questions of the president and of others that perhaps someone who grew up in different circumstances wouldn't have the perspective, the awareness, the appreciation to ask. So to me, it's a responsibility. It's, it's not just like a personal, you know, yeah, I did it. I'm, you know, I, I again, I'm humbled by the opportunity to be where I am. Do you feel as, you know, obviously not only as a journalist, but somebody with your background, you know, that you understand firsthand from your family what living in a society where, you know, uh, the free press is oppressed and so on and so forth. Do you feel that the press today is more attacked than ever? Um, do you feel that freedom of the press, per se, as we know it, is something that is under attack I think there's no question that it's under attack, but I don't think that what we're facing now is just a reflection on who the president is. I think what we're facing now is a convergence of a number of factors that have been sort of brewing for many years. And I think the biggest one is simply technology. Yeah, I agree. If, if you look at, you know, uh, 30, even 30, 20, 30 years ago, um, the Internet was not as big a source for news as it is now. And while you had, you know, a handful of networks, a handful of really prestigious newspapers, th there was a different attitude toward the press. And nowadays, we sort of, 
have a million different outlets. And, you know, there's that joke about the Internet will give you whatever you're looking for. Um, you'll, you'll, ask, you'll ask the Internet to find you, you know, uh, something ridiculous, and the Internet will ask you what kind of ridiculousness you want. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say to condense where I'm going is the idea that, you know, when, when the press first started, it was tremendously partisan. And you had uh, newspapers that essentially were supported by having the most salacious headline. They had like these crazy, you know, yellow journalism, these crazy headlines, yeah. kids in the street corner yelling these things to sell newspapers. And so the, the way the market worked was the more salacious the headline, the more attention it got, the more papers it sold. And what ended up happening was that journalists, journalists realized this isn't sustainable. So they established societies, you know, uh, uh, groups and institutions that would keep checks on good journalism and would reward it with prestige and awards. And those prestige and awards allowed papers like the New York Times and the Washington Post to gain reputations for good journalism. And they could sell based on their reputation. So they sold subscriptions. And that sort of shifted things. Fast forward to the Internet, where the juicy headline is now a juicy <laughs> hyperlink, and you get clickbait. And now, instead of the subscription model leading, leading the way, it's back to where we were 100, 120 years ago, where it's the craziest thing that, that somebody throws at you gets the most attention. Yeah. Right. That, that has become a huge problem. And on top of that, now it's cheaper than ever to produce content. So... Some guy in his basement literally has quality that rivals that of a major network. You know, whereas before, the stuff you would see uh, when you were checking out of CVS, like, you know, Elvis and Bigfoot go out <laughs> to lunch and you kind of laugh at it. Now, that is out there for every single point of view, and it demands to be taken seriously, and it's got a very polished sheen. And instead of Bigfoot and Elvis having lunch, Bigfoot is telling you not to give your kids vaccines because they cause autism, and people take that seriously. Right. That's, so, uh huh. Go ahead. No, that that's what I was. That's why I wanted to ask you that question because, uh, you know, nowadays a lot of people talk about in terms of the attack on the free press. You know that it's the administration, and you know there's a certain truth to that. But I feel that the biggest danger, exactly as you said, is is the internet because i can't tell you how many people i i know get their news from facebook and i hear them talk about some salacious thing they read and i'm like where did you hear that from did you hear that from like did you get it from a reputable news source like cnn nbc abc cbs whatever did you get it from a reputable news source no you got it from from facebook uh i don't know about that and and i feel that like people now uh you know because their feeds are maybe or algorithms customized or echo chamber are curated you know they're 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 coming across news that isn't really news that is what they want to hear and and i think that that's actually very scary and i think the bigger well he, danger, no i was gonna say i mean i think you use the word right now dj you know reputable the scary thing is that word doesn't mean the same to everybody anymore because it's very easy for right. somebody to say like oh the new york times that's not reputable no they only print lies you know however www.bigfootgoestolunch.com that's the real news <laughs> you know and so so to Two quick things. I just want to intervene before it slips my mind. 
the one of the things that you mentioned, DJ, that is a huge problem that I didn't mention before is that these technology companies, they don't care about the message necessarily as much as they do the click. So there are algorithms that literally will bring up suggestions that are so extreme because they know it'll, it'll spike your curiosity. So you go to YouTube to watch a video about yoga, and on the side, there's the Bigfoot, you know, selling you these crazy vitamins that'll, you know, cure any disease or something. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm using an example that's more diplomatic, but we, we all know that there's crazy stuff out there that can really warp society. And we're watching some of that now with, you know, people saying that school shootings aren't real. The ability to uh, navigate the world of information without actually being exposed to cold, hard facts is something that should terrify all of us. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a perfect yeah. word, terrify, because it's it's really, you know, I, I often try to think outside the, you know, myself and, and think, how can people believe this? Like exactly what you said, how can people believe that school shootings, that Sandy Hook was set up and those were crisis or, actors yeah, but, and stuff like that. But then you have, you know, uh, Alex you know, Jones, Jones and, and a lot of echo chambers saying that type of stuff. And people think it, it sounds like a reputable news source. And right. and it, it's just it. it, it it looks like it, you know, it looks, it looks like it could be real. And I think, you know, I think part of it is also that well, the world, let's face it, it is a, it can be a dark, scary, frightening place. And some people in the school shooting scenario, you know, it's very difficult to accept that somebody without any logical reason would walk into a school for elementary school children and massacre them. And I think if you are looking studies have shown that this is the case, people generally look for things that comfort them. They're looking for something that's going to tell them that everything is fine. They're not looking to be unsettled. And often what we see is that they'll pursue news content that reinforces things that they already believe about the world. It, it, it creates, like I said, it's a number of factors that have uh, culminated in an administration that now uses the weaknesses inherent in the model of uh, journalism, in the uh, market model of journalism, to get away with things that no one should get away with. Now, I'm glad that you, you mentioned that at the end, because, I mean, obviously something that has been very uh, prevalent with this administration, which we hadn't really seen too much before, is, you know, the whole fake news, you know, kind of motto now that everybody spits out. Uh, as a journalist, do you feel that that is a powerful tool? Because I think it is. Because the moment that you start saying fake news, whether it's true or not, now you can no longer debate. How do you think that's affected just journalistic integrity as a whole? That's a tough, tough question. Because I, I still think there is tremendous work being done. And if anything, that risk of being labeled as fake news or being called or, or your reporting being called into question forces you to be sharper because you have to be uh, you have to double check everything that you do and triple check everything that you do hmm. because you are going to be filleted if something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And if it is, it gives an opportunity for the opponents of a free press to capitalize on that. You know, mm -hmm. there's a difference between having a disagreement on policy and having a basic disagreement on, for example, the trajectory of a hurricane. 
and then having you know officials uh, yeah and then having officials try to intervene on your behalf potentially right. according to reporting reputable reporting to try to basically silence science and fact and you know if it's somebody saying oh this story about this trivial thing that happened that may make me look bad or selfish or whatever that's fake news. That's one thing. But we're talking about an actual emergency. And so, yeah. And so that, that office basically put out a tweet that made the president look like he was uninformed. And this is a president who cares very much about his public image and cares very much about appearing to be a stable genius. So <laughs> people, people within his administration took it personally. And, and that, you know, that's where I think we, we get into trouble. Like I said, we can have disagreements on policy. And I don't think there's necessarily a space in journalism, not in analysis or in opinion, but in journalism, to try to have those policy debates. My job doesn't change based on who the president is, whether I think he has good ideas or bad ideas. My job is ultimately to present what we find to the people and let them make the decision. Again, there's a difference between arguing about policy and arguing about facts. Right. DJ says that all the time. Yeah, I say that all the time because I feel that with the whole motto of fake news, you know, a lot of people when this term kind of came to life were saying, oh, that's so stupid. And I'm thinking, no, that's actually quite smart because the people that approve of the president and of the administration, no matter what it is that they're doing – they're always you can't have discourse with them about policy or anything or facts because they're just going to tell you, oh, that's fake news. So, so See, you, I, I there's disagree. no way you could counter that. I disagree. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I have traveled the country going to Trump rallies, and what I have found is that even though when the cameras are on, people will yell at you, and I've had terrible things said to me. Um, I can't even imagine that I won't repeat. Even though that's the case, more often than not, you will find that people are actually very reasonable and they're decent. They're not actually uh, trying to unnerve you. They, it, it, the way that I perceive a lot of the animosity that I've seen at Trump rally, it's sort of like a rock concert and it's a show. It's, it, it, I don't think it's a coincidence that the president was involved in professional wrestling because it really reminds me that? of that. It's like there's, there's a good guy, there's a bad guy. He's going to get on the microphone and say all these bad things, this posturing. But at the end of the day, he loves the attention and he thrives on the attention. And he does things occasionally to, you know, to guide the attention that's placed on him. So I, I don't know that you can't have a conversation about policy or about the, the, the world. I think there are some folks who are angry for a multitude of reasons, and there are folks that you can't have a conversation with. But I've had, you know, really uh, moving conversations about issues like immigration with people who come from very dissimilar backgrounds. And typically, we both take something from that conversation because you know, it, growing up in Hialeah in Miami, for example, it wasn't until I got to Syracuse by the time I was 19, 20 years old that I was exposed to a culture where the majority of people were white, Right. you know, and yeah. spend time there and live it. And for a lot of these folks in rural America, they never really had a conversation with somebody like me. 
So when they do and they see that I'm not threatening, they see that I'm, you know, I, I agree with them on some issues, that I'm not, you know, uh, MS-13 or, or whatever image they yeah, have, the what an immigrant is. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody is like conspiring to, you know, destroy the republic. I do think that because we're in echo chambers and because we're not communicating uh, as we naturally have in the past, there are fissures that are going to be very, very difficult to repair for generations in this country. I'm glad you mentioned and, that. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because something that I, I also have found is that, you know, we live right now in a, in a time where everybody wants to paint something or someone with like it, one, one stroke and one color. And, you know, the same way that I, I got ticked off at the administration and at the president, I also got ticked off at when they make these generalizations of Trump voters, when they say all Trump voters are this, all Trump voters are that, which I, I don't agree with. So which I think I, is what he's saying. Yeah. Is. I mean, so that, that's why to bring back to what you're saying, you know, that you've gone out and spoken to these people and the perspective from being there and speaking to all these people at all these rallies, it, which is a real, you know, realistic perspective. You've seen a, a humanity or a, you've seen them face to face, whereas a lot of times that's not what is brought to the forefront. Absolutely. And I think that's that's part of the responsibility that I have as a journalist, too. This is this is the way that I, I try to sort of explain it to friends, you know. Typically, as a journalist, um, one of the things that we get accused of is, is having a bias and bringing our bias into our reporting. Naturally, if I, being an immigrant, see photographs of children who came to the, who are coming to this country at the same age that I did, if I see images of them being put into cages, uh, it's very difficult for me to stomach that. It's difficult for me to see. Because that could have been me. Right. However, I, as a journalist, have to recognize that emotionally that moves something in me and it could affect my reporting. So what I have to strive to do is empathize with the people who think that putting kids in cages is the best solution for the problems of, Im of immigration. And that's not an easy thing to do. But what you find is that people who hold these views it's not that they're all racist. It's not that they hate. Part of it is that the world around them has changed so drastically in such a short amount of time that they're terrified of what comes next. And you have a president who's basically told them that he's going to take things back to the way that they were, make America great again, right? So if you think about their communities, in the span of 10, 15 years, the factory that was always there, that their grandfathers, fathers, and they worked for, disappeared. Yeah. Opium and, and methamphetamines filled the void of those jobs. The things that they cherished in, in their culture have changed because the demographics have changed. Now there are people of color in their neighborhoods. There are people of color in prominent positions. They feel slightly displaced by this. Maybe it's not that they hate them but they recognize that the culture that they grew up in has changed. Healthcare changed drastically. Uh, it was in, what, 2015, where gay people, LGBT people, can get married. It was uh, in 2008 that an African-American became president. So all these things that they, 
they are not accustomed to have happened so quickly, it is like a shock to their system. And they feel disenfranchised for the first time. Right. And for a community that has been in power in this country since the dawn of this country, it's a very difficult thing to transition from. So to some degree, I recognize that and, and I empathize with some of the struggles of rural America. It doesn't mean that I subscribe to all of their ideas, but at least it allows me to inform my reporting in a way that recognizes that these people have gripes, some of them legitimate, and that is part of why this president is in power. Do you think a lot of it has to do with this Twitter? And, uh, actually, if you look at them, not just the sheer number of people that are on Twitter, it, it doesn't actually reach as many people as we think it does. I mean, he, he's right that he does have a tremendous influence because as soon as he tweets something, I have to run out to the, like today, as soon as he tweets that he's hired a new national security advisor, I have to run out of the booth that we have CNN has at the White House and run to the North Lawn and report it. And he gets a lot of attention for his tweets. But I don't think it's necessarily that yeah. drives the loyalty. I think part of it is, is the fact that, you know, we, I think the three of us are very, from what I've heard, very avid news consumers. And we, as avid news consumers, as, as people who were you know, who, who have succeeded in life and, and been able to go to higher education and pursue the, these careers, we forget that the average person doesn't really have those kind of opportunities right. that they, you know, are worried about soccer practice and picking up laundry or, or their kids from school or what they're going to make for dinner. They're worried about paying the bills. Yeah. The amount of time that they spend consuming news or information is minimal, you know? And so while we see the the sort of how the sausage is made the inner workings of government they just sort of see the sausage and they they you know they don't really care about the minutia of right. government even though it is incredibly significant they're sort of more interested in the big picture and to them that speaks to the kind of what we were talking about before to them it may be factually true but that isn't as significant as what is true in the broader sense to them. And the idea that the United States has to be the best country in the world, and that's defined by certain things. Now, you, you know, with, with all your travel and, and, and going, you know, from you said or from around the country and going to uh, different rallies and such, what have you found is the biggest concern Americans have? Because we go back and forth between the economy and healthcare. So, you know, and a lot of times, as we know, polls can be off. What have you found firsthand is what people, keeps people up at night? I think the economy is, is always going to be the main driver. You know, we, we can get into like a deep discussion on how, how the stock market is doing is sort of, uh, not exactly an indicator of how their communities are doing and whatever the president says about unemployment being at an all-time low. They, they, there's nuance to, to some of the claims that we hear from the president and his administration about how well the economy is doing and what it means moving forward. But I think it, it, it comes down to their ability to pay the bills and their, their feeling that they have a shot in this economy and that their kids will be better off than they were 
And, you know, it, it's hard to do that when, like I said, the factory that they've, that has been in their town for generations is gone. And now they're not only competing with each other, they're competing with people like my dad, Jose, who, you know, works <laughs> double the hours, makes half the money and doesn't need health insurance. Right. I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the whole thing with rural America, because I think that, you know, the same thing that the same t way that we criticize other people for living in echo chambers. Sometimes we live in an echo chamber and we don't even realize. It. No question. And, and I, you know, having been, you know, raised in Miami, which is, a, you know, as you know, a major diverse multicultural area in a huge city. I went to law school in Michigan. And I became right. obviously very familiar with the Midwest. I went all over the Midwest. And it's exactly what you say. It's not until I went to the small like mining towns or the small town like in in um in Ohio and I'm sorry in Pittsburgh the steel mills that were closed that you see firsthand hand and you understand that what the the circumstances that these people live are living through or have lived through is very different than what me in Miami Florida or in New York or in LA are going through and and I think that sometimes that's the reality that a lot of times people don't see and it's much easier to jump on the on the bandwagon of say oh they're just all closed-minded racists blah 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 but it's a lot more complex than that and and I think that's why it's important to try to have uncomfortable conversations with people who are different than you because you know again you may disagree on everything but at least you can get an understanding of where somebody is coming from and you can empathize with their pain and their anger if anything we've seen over the last you know three and a half years or four years since trump declared his candidacy for president that there's a tremendous amount of anger toward the establishment both republican and democrat and he represents a wrecking ball to the established order of Washington. And I mean, I, if you think about why people are so angry, part of it is just because they don't feel that they're being heard, you know, and, and that I think needs to be addressed. And, and candidly, I'm not sure that there is at this moment, a candidate on the democratic side that can communicate it as well to challenge Trump in those communities. I think the economy is doing very well. And I think he, he doesn't necessarily have at this moment, again, candidates develop and they change. And we saw that with Barack Obama, for example, the people rise to the occasion, but at this moment, I don't see anyone who really speaks to those communities and engages with them the way that he does. And I, I don't know that that may change, but you know, at this point, I think, the, the the basic idea that I really want to drive home to anybody that that is listening or anybody that would listen to uh, what I have to say is that you you must go into places that uh, may be frightening, that may be menacing, that may bring something out of you that you don't know is there, and have a conversation with someone who does not see eye to eye with you or a respectful one. There's a difference between having a conversation and getting yelled at by a troll. Right. But I think everybody, right. I think everybody would benefit from uh, that kind of communication and that kind of perspective, not, you know, not for, 
this next election, but for the future of Western society and democracy in general. Right. Well, very well said. Very, very well put, sir. So, so let's talk about something a little bit livelier. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we could, cause we could you, go down you, this route you forever. But... To, <laughs> you, Mr. You're, you guys are going to have to cut so much of the shit I say because if you give me the opportunity, <laughs> I will stay here. Oh, no, no, like, no. The, <laughs> waxing poetic about nonsense. Bueno, we're a podcast. Well, so, well, if you don't talk, we got nothing well, to as, run. You know, as a journalist, <laughs> you know, the worst thing is when you interview someone and everything's like, yes, no. Yeah. Okay, next year. And and almost as bad as when you interview somebody and they fucking tell you that my story starts in 1930 in Cuba and you have to go through the entire biography. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's an interesting story. It's okay. So, yeah, you, know, you know, I get it, man. It's sound bites. You got to get the sound bite. You know, you got to, it's like 10, 15 seconds of bam, no, and not, but, you know. But you know what? That's one of the reasons. And no, but, bam, bam, bam. Okay. God bless you for doing that on our show. But I, I have to say, one of the reasons we love podcasts is because it's not about the 10, 15 second sound bite. You know, it's, we get to have sure. an actual conversation. We're not trying to shoehorn between you know, commercials and, you know, we only have an right. hour on the air and things like that. Yeah. It's right, the right, beauty right. of it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Mr. DC, a White House correspondent, all this stuff. So do you still, like, after all these years, do you still miss Miami? Do you still, when you come here, are you still kind of like, oh, my God, you know, is this home or or has Miami diminished for you? You know, you, the boy left Miami. <laughs> Uh, it's that I go every chance I get. Number one, number two, it, it, I've evolved in the sense that I first used to love Miami and think it was the greatest place on earth. And over time that diminished to some degree because I would confront things that I, that I thought, you know, this doesn't happen in other places, but over time I've learned to love that. You know, there's something about the air. As soon as you get off the plane, and the you know folks are standing by the uh, the stand at the the door of the plane, and you hear the accent, you hear you smell the 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 sayas as you're walking through the airport. It, it, to me, it's just it's home. It'll always be home. There's a nostalgia. There's a there's an understanding that these are my people. This is my blood. You know, not just being Cuban American, but being from Miami, and and that the idea that what we're building in Miami, what we have been building for a long time is the future of this country. Miami is a microcosm of the country where you have all these cultures clashing, where you have crazy, corrupt politics, where you have, you know, this, this expansion of uh, an area being built literally on a swamp. Uh, <laughs> and, you have, and you have, candidly, a confrontation with the inevitable rise of sea levels mm -hmm. uh it's the future and and you know being a part of miami to me you know from banging pots and pans when the marlins won a championship when i was you know 11 12 years old i'm, I'm like what in the to <laughs> going back there when elian gonzalez was snatched by the atf and you know that to, to me that there is no to me there's no greater place on earth the but having experience. been said there's either <laughs> There are things about Miami that no, man, like, uh, <laughs> you can't roll your eyes hard oh, enough, dude. right? The traffic has not gotten better. <laughs> oh no, yeah, the tra the traffic is one thing, man, and th sometimes the service 
when you deal with people and, and they're on their phones. Or right, customer you know, service is not existent in Miami. So my favorite but also least favorite thing about Miami is also the guaperia. Oh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> at any time of day is trying to be a people, you know, like people. I just, I And totally love the, that CNN's White House correspondent said <laughs> guaperia. <laughs> oh, you have to have it. You have to have it. Otherwise, you know, you'll get elbowed out. <laughs> no, the reason this I, is the real swamp. Here. The reason I asked you that question is because, I mean, I guess that this is true about, you know, a lot of big cities. But, uh, you know, one of the things that we tried to do in our podcast, because we have, like, listeners in Cambodia and in uh, Indonesia and Australia and all that, believe it or not, is that, Amazing. you know, we're, we're trying to, like, Uh, put out there what the Miami experience is because a lot of people think it's either like, you know, Puff Daddy, South Beach, you know, club going <laughs> or it's Miami Vice. Right. And, you know, right. not that those aren't, you know, realities of Miami. They certainly are. But obviously there's so much, so much more. Of course. And we can't forget that it's also Florida and Florida on its own is like another dimension. I literally, anytime I see a headline that's, you know, some crazy shit happened, I'm like, that's probably Florida. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, I'm right. It, it's, it is just this, this weird, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure why it is that we have so many weird people, but it fascinates me and it's doubly exciting because you then have, uh, that, that, Miami, anything can happen atmosphere. It's almost like Vegas, but a little bit more tropical, right? Right. More humidity. Well, my, my favorite saying of Florida is, you know, Florida, the more north you go, the more south it gets. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's true. I mean, I guess, you know... First of all, again, thank you so much for for taking time to chat with us. You know, I know we've been like you said we've been trying to coordinate this for a bit. It's just because you know what with you being a reporter and all, it's not like you have a nine to five. So it's it's like okay, when you got the time, let's jump on it. Let's make it happen. So you know, I, I can only imagine you know you're probably a combination of living out of suitcases and and just you know grabbing a moment for yourself whenever you have it. So. That must be crazy too, and and you've done us proud because I mean I've I've been watching you for a while. I mean I, I've always known who you were, but I didn't know that you were from Hialeah. <laughs> There's something about that that just makes it better. Not gonna lie. So you know when we were researching, you know guests, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. He's from Hialeah. I was like, wow, from Hialeah to the White House. Now that is that's a, a sitcom. That is a sitcom. Yeah, we're gonna, I mean, we're gonna write. You know, it. It's <laughs> I, like I said before, man, I'm, I'm extremely lucky and I'm humbled for the opportunity. And um, I think, I think while, while it is kind of uh, uncommon, I, I don't find it necessarily surprising because in so many different ways, there are people that have come through our community, not just Hialeah, all of South Florida, who, uh, because they have an appreciation for what they don't have and the opportunities, that they have earned for themselves in this country and, and with hard work and with a dream, you know, it, it's there, as I said before, Miami is a very special place. And part of it is the belief that you can achieve anything. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know that there are a lot of other communities where you find that combination of aspiration and hard work. 
you, you know, you think about a place like LA, everybody that goes to LA thinks they're going to be a movie star. And that doesn't always turn out to be the case, (laughs) but more often than not, the people who have dreams, who have aspirations in Miami are people who have through their family or through themselves have dealt with some shit and they know how to persevere. And that, that's part of what what I love the most about Hialeah. It's la ciudad que progresa. It really is. It's a city is. of progress. It really is. You know? And and I have to tell you that I've been there already. My office has been there eight, nine years. And I've chosen to keep it there because I absolutely love it there. I, I I could never see myself having my office somewhere else. I, I love it there. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> and rent is cheap. I can only imagine the characters you get. Oh. Well, you're going to have to do that off the yeah. air. <laughs> when, the next time you're in Miami, the next time you're in Miami, we'll get together for like a couple of drinks, un cafecito or something, and he will tell you the stories. Yeah. Historia por That'll be rato. amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll be amazing. So. So, Boris, thank you. Thank you so, so much. It really is an honor and a privilege to have you. You are the epitome of what we like to, um, you know, show here in the podcast. So thank you so much for not only your time, but for doing what you do. And for making us proud as Miamians. You know, thank you for that. I I appreciate that. You guys are way too kind. And I could not have turned down this opportunity. Uh, You guys are hilarious. I listen to you guys frequently. And you guys, I mean... Having a taste of Miami when I'm walking around D.C. with my headphones in, hearing you guys talk about Guaperia and Pepe Globero and all that stuff, <laughs> it, it's like a little pastelito every day. Yeah. So, oh. you know, remind me of where I come oh. from. That's going to make us get all nice misty-eyed. Thank you. That's why we do what we do. So thank you again. <laughs> Our pleasure. Right. Thank you guys very much. All right. Take care, man. Bye. Bye. And we're back. Again, welcome back. <laughs> Again, that was just a great conversation. Forget interview; it mm-hmm. was a great conversation. Yeah. You know, and and like you said, especially as we're about to see things probably ramp up more and more, and uh, you guys are probably going to start seeing Boris a little bit more on the screen, <laughs> considering everything that's going down. Boris is going to be working overtime. <laughs> Bor- yeah, seriously, it's uh, put in those OT hours, buddy. Um, you know, just remember, remember he's, this. He's gonna need a coke. He's so, gonna need a last coke of the desert. But he's gonna need a soda, a coke, a cafe, una mateba, <laughs> one of those big five gallon wa- a, jars of a, the water. The super, super big gulp. Like that's all. No, no, no. Well, speaking of thirst, yes, it's our. I'll say our big gulp, our last <laughs> big gulp, our <laughs> last, last soda? soda of the. Da- 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 so I know who I'm giving it to this mu- this week. Okay, go for it. I'm giving it to Greta Thunberg. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was actually going to ask you about her, so go ahead. So she was um, in um, the United Nations earlier this week, um, and she was talking about climate change. Mm-hmm. And she, she's Swiss, German. Yes, she is Swiss. Um, she, she she's Swedish. Swedish. And she went on and on and on how she was saying how you know she should be in school. She should not. She's a little girl. You know, she's yeah, yeah. a girl. She's sixteen. You know, she should be in school. She should be worrying about. Well, regular teenagers worry about, right, right. but instead she's worried about the climate and what nobody's doing anything about it mm-hmm. and how, you know, corporate greed and governments that at the end of the day care for, you know, mm-hmm. the bottom line and it's all about money, how they don't seem to give a rat's ass about, right. you know, climate change. But she gave this beautiful, compelling speech and she was kind of in tears. And and I just thought that it was very, it was very effective because 
you know, so many oftentimes we see the, the battle for climate change and, um, you know, you sometimes you, you sometimes do see kids in the forefront of a lot of these battles and a lot these of these movements. movements, but you don't hear them a lot of times speak or at least as articulate as she mm-hmm, did. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that in itself, uh, I commend her for it. And of course, she's been attacked. I think people that yeah. are against climate change have says that she's also a crisis actor, you know, because now I, so now, many people are crisis actors. Now every t- I know. Where do you sign up? Seriously? Oh, yeah. I can cry on cue. Yeah, um, because now it seems that every time somebody who's young, who has an opinion on something, who's articulate, or who's articulate has gone through something that you know people, especially in the extreme right, don't like, they're a crisis actor. Yeah. Um, they can't possibly be able to formulate a sentence. I mean, if our president can't do it, how can they? Yeah, and somebody called her. Um, Somebody at Fox News called her a mentally ill Swedish so, child okay, who is no, no, no. being exploited by I'm her gonna, parents I'm gonna by the international you. left. I'm actually going to correct you on that. It was not some okay. It was somebody who was on Fox News, but it was a guest. It was a podcaster. Oh, it was a guest. And right afterwards, like literally, Fox News issued a a statement saying that they they are yes, not in right. support of his statement and that they have I don't know if they it's like they banned him well, from good. the show or whatever. good but good I, I'm gonna news. I'm gonna correct you on that because many times people are very quick to you know to throw Fox News under the bus for their actions rightfully so most times but in this case I am gonna stand up for for the facts you're gonna stand up for Fox News I'm gonna stand up for Fox News they did something right well they did something right they did you know deserves to be commended but Greta Gun- was her name Gun- Gunthberg yes. So she gets your last soda. She gets my last soda. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a climate change. It's one of those things that I think about, but then I don't want to think about. Why? Because it's such a big problem, and then I just it makes me feel very small and helpless. Well, you shouldn't. I mean, I do my little part. I recycle, and you know, I don't drive a car. Do that you know about the Clean Water Act like of 1971? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. I believe I may have spoken about this in the podcast before, but we speak a lot about. Yeah, we, we tend to repeat ourselves. So kids. get ready. The Clean Water Act is the federal, which still stands, mm-hmm. uh, Water Protection Act, which clearly didn't stand in Flint, Michigan. But bueno, <laughs> it's this uh, federal water act that is supposed to, you know, add a s- legislation and mm-hmm. and um, laws to our federal waterways, okay. which includes rivers, lakes, and uh, the ocean. And it was enacted in 1971. The reason why it was enacted was because in 1968, the Cuyahoga River, which is the main river that goes through Cleveland, was, was on, on fire. fire for like a for like days. It was on fire for days. Yes, you, yes, 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 yes. And the reason why it was on fire is because there was no regulation in terms of what you know. Companies all the, could all these rivers, especially in these bigger like iron in, belt industrial cities, cities. industrial cities, mm-hmm. um, all you know along the banks, it's filled with old factories and old right. refineries old mills, so on and so forth. So there was no regulation. This was the late 60s. This wasn't that long ago. Yeah. There was no regulation as to what these people, these companies can dump in the water. So as such, the river, the river caught on fire, and it was on fire for several days. Now, let's stop to think about that. Water was on fire. For days. You can see pictures of this. It's not fake news. Days. Um, So as a result of that, they said, hmm, maybe we need to pass a little legislation here (laughs) that kind of curtails us a little bit. Maybe just a smidge. But the reason I bring that up is because who would have thought 10, 15, 20 years earlier that, you know, 
there could be a legislation against these behemoths and monster of mm -hmm. companies. And I don't mean monster in, in terms of the dumping, in terms of the power that they correct, had. Correct. Uh, you know that they that could possibly be curtailed or legislated, and it was. Uh, so that that the reason I bring that up as well is because that is a situation where the government actually did something for the environment. So I just don't understand why this has become so political. Right. It, it's not a political issue at the end of the day. I mean, climate change is real. I, I mean, and there's science that backs it up. Science. Although everybody says <laughs> that. No, there's no science that backs it up. It's When I hear people say that there's no science that backs it up, it's like, okay, is everything that I'm watching and reading wrong? Everything? Because, like, I've seen a lot of things regarding climate change. and I can't even. At least how rapid climate change is happening. And there's... There's a lot of scientists and a lot of people who are showing how rapid this is happening. It's a bunch of people who don't mind cutting off their nose to spite their face. I just, you know, again, down to. I just think that no matter where you are politically on it, because I, I understand that the people who are against a lot of legislation, they're saying that, well, if you legislate and you do this, you're going to put all these like um, all these um, companies bans and, and all these regulations on companies. And that's going to cost them millions or billions of dollars. And that's going to reduce their profit and, uh, you know, chain right, events right, from right. there. But even if that were true, what I don't understand is simple and like, you know, just rational you know green lawmaking you know something like you shouldn't throw your trash in the river there shouldn't be lead in in, <laughs> in water water supply you know right. you shouldn't we're not asking for huge waste yeah. in the ocean right you shouldn't throw all these things in a protected environmental like common sense things like i right. don't understand why right. that's so difficult Silly you. I told you about that logic bullshit. There should be less emissions, you know, so on and so forth. But I'm going to shut up now because of the car I drive. But anyway, let's talk about... Yes, you lose credibility whenever you bring that up. So my last soda is so different from yours. <laughs> it's the Heifer Corporation. It's, you know what? The Heifer Corporation is actually doing something good. And so you bringing them up as a punchline every week, I hope you enjoy it. I, have I hope never you enjoy said, it. I have never said anything bad about them, but you know what? You know what? I bet you that our listeners from all now know about Coke, the from all, there's 82 episodes, meaning there's 164 last cokes, and I bet you that of the 164 last cokes that we have given, the one that our listeners remember at least the most 100 is the Heifer Corporation. I've mentioned the so Heifer you know Corporation. What? You're welcome. You know what? Kudos, touche. So no, so my my last soda is actually going to a podcast that I've recently started listening to. I th they're fairly recent. I, I think if they have twenty episodes, it's too many. And the reason I I want to bring it up is number one because one of the hosts is actually I believe he's half Cuban American. Um, it's called, but there's another reason because it, it ties back to just something that happened between you and I once. And so I, I always think of this every time I hear it. The name of the podcast is. My best friend's journal. <laughs> and every week, so apparently it's two friends, Cam and Mike. Uh, Mike is the, the one with the Cuban background. And Mike, about five years ago, started writing in a journal. And he was working on a cruise ship abroad, you know, in, in Europe and what have you. And so every week they read, like, a couple of entries and then talk about it. You know, like, oh, my God, and so-and-so. And it's just really funny. And they're, they're very off the cuff and, and what have you. But... I always, every time I hear it, I always remember that one time that I was at your house. Mm -hmm. 
and you walked out of the, the shower and you had left your journal just lying around. And I don't even remember what I read. I don't even remember who it was about. But I remember reading. It was literally on top of your desk. And I just was. I just picked it up because I was bored. And I just started reading it. And you came out of the shower. And I'm like, who's blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah. And I just started going through. And you're like, you had this look on your face <laughs> of just like, how do you know any of that? And I was like, oh, no, because I just found your journal on your desk. And I just started reading it. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> At least I was honest about it. You were. Hey. And the time you read my journal was at a very interesting time of my life. Um, well, at that point. 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 But I always think of you whenever I listen to this podcast. But I'm you like... know what was the great thing about it is, though, as, like, private as I am and as, you know, you know, I'm all about yeah. privacy and discretion. I wasn't mad. Right? No. You were, you, know, like, you were more just confused like, how I knew these things. Like, it also depends, too. If somebody else would have read my journal, i have been like, motherfucker. Right. You know, like, you're going down. Right. But with you, I was like, whatever. <laughs> we're going to host the podcast one day. Yeah. Maybe I was in the journal. I just didn't keep reading. Mm. You know, I felt pri- your privacy should have been protected at that point. Yeah. I'm sure, of course it was. <laughs> So yeah, my best friend's journal. It's a it's a podcast. It's really funny. It's uh, every week they put a new episode out. Is it Kimmy? Is it Kevin? Is it someone with a K? Here's something that keeps it starts with a K. Keep your, your nose, nose out, out of my, my business. business, and that may be one of the reasons, ladies and gentlemen. But <laughs> let me tell you, is heading west. Yes, yes. So, isn't there a song by the Pet Shop Boys called Go, Go west. west? It's actually a cover of a Village People song. Okay, I don't know the Village People. It's song. the same. It's the same song. But I know the Pet Shop yes. version. And do you know why I know the Pet Shop version? The Pet Shop Boys version? Because of Kylie? Nope. Because as we talked about a few weeks ago, when we used to go to Blockbuster Music and see the CD covers there over and over again. There was a day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to listen to the song. <laughs> On, you know, Blockbuster Music. Uh, oh, the little sampler station. Station. Listening. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So anyway, everyone. So there you have it. Yeah. We hope you listened, laughed, and learned. Yes. And um, yeah, there were a lot of like weird topics in this episode. Yeah, that's how we do. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, grab your pastelito, your croqueta, and your jupiña, and thank you for joining us as always. Have a great weekend, Pero Friday, and that was episode 82. Yes, que la pasen bien, caballero. Bye. Bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.